All right, it's the DT difference. It's 30 years experience in the game. DT systems. E-collars we've been using for a while now, but let's quickly talk about their dummy launchers. They got the Super Pro dummy launcher and the remote dummy launcher. It's a great way for you and your dog to get ready for duck season. Loud bangs, make sure your dog's cool with gunfire before you use it. But I want you to add it to your repertoire, bag of tricks, and get you and your dog ready for duck season. It's the Super Pro Dummy Launcher by DT. Hashtag man's best kennel, baby. That's Gunner Kennels. Man, let's talk about these crates because when it hits the fan, you want your dog protected. It's an investment emotionally and financially to keep your hunting buddy safe. If you'd like to get into a Gunner Kennel, slide into the DMs and we'll hook you up. But do your best friend a favor and keep them safe this duck season. It's force fetch, baby. It's the number one question we get asked. You don't know how to fix it? Let me help you. Let me get you to your goals. We built a course, bunch of videos. I think there's 13 or 14 videos start to finish on how you and your dog can get through the force fetch process successfully. The link's in the description. Be sure to check it out and let me help you and your dog. All right, Mike, welcome back to the show, man. Thanks for coming. Tell everybody, just give them that breakdown if they hadn't listened to our original episode. And Kevin, can you please drop what his episode number was for us, please? Thanks. All right, Mike, give take it away, brother. So my name is Mike Jones. Uh, I am the owner and head trainer of Primal Cannon Dog Training. Uh, we've been running for a little over 10 years now. Uh, prior to that, I've been training dogs since I was about 13. I'm 39 years old now. I'm also the president uh, and founder of Canine Street League, uh, where we try, we're trying to develop the first personal or first professional personal protection sport. I don't know why that's so hard to say. It's like all the P's involved in it or something like that. So we have that. Also do the Canine University, which is an online university where we talk about a variety of different training techniques, methods, theories, applications, all that fun stuff. And yeah, I mean, Bob, you're one of the commentators for Canine Street League. You've been to a few of those events. You know, we... With Street League itself, we're trying to basically build a you know, positive culture and you know in, in the dog sport world since it can be a little bit funny. Um, but we're also doing uh, starting this next trial is all the regional like people who to come in and pay for it. That money goes to uh, troubled youth in that area. So we're so all that's going to be going to them. Uh, and then we got this thing called the fight uh, where we're teaching people self defense with their dog and or self defense by themselves and then with their protection dog. It's for all levels, and we're donating the money, uh, the, all the proceeds, to uh, Glory House, uh, Glory House in Miami, uh, to people who are survivors of human trafficking, typically women. There's a lot going on. Yeah, dude. You're one of the busiest I know, and you're still disciplined to get up in the morning and go for a workout. So Yeah, <laughs> it's, been, it's, been a, it's been fun. <laughs> I want to say fun. It's been, a, it's been very uh, busy. Absolutely. So um, let's talk about fitness for a second, because this can mold into several different conversations. Like you grew up doing jujitsu. Let's talk about that fitness. What are you doing each day to prepare yourself physically and mentally for entrepreneurship and training dogs the way you do? I work dogs, uh, lift weights. I mean, you got to stay and I'm suggest no one really has to do it that way. You know, I wouldn't suggest because you do get banged up and there's a lot of wear and tear in those miles. But I mean, like the importance of like fitness when it comes to being a decoy is so you can each dog the same. So even when you're tired, uh, fatigue makes cowards of us all. 
So I just made sure I don't get fatigued <laughs> by doing the things that I, the things that I do. And yeah, I mean, I've, so I actually started in, uh, before I even got into fighting, I actually started in, uh, the, the shelter work. So I got in, I was a troubled youth. And so I'm trying to help troubled youth. Uh, I got in trouble. My community service was actually working with, uh, with shelter dogs, like mm-hmm. basically picking up poop and trying not to get bit, but typically by chihuahuas and little pit bulls. It's so not that much now. <laughs> not, not, <laughs> different. not too much different. <laughs> Just a little older. Yeah. Uh, so then I went into that when I was around 13. And then when I got older, uh, I got into fighting, boxing first. Again, got into boxing and then jujitsu, mixed martial arts, all that fun stuff. And uh, my mentor, Terry Macias, uh, he's like, oh, he's like, you know, he's like, you obviously have some form of athleticism to you. So let's go ahead and put you in a, a UB helper, which at that time was just sleeve stuff, like the sleeve. Mm-hmm. I started decoying in Schutzen back when it was called Schutzen uh, in when I was in my early 20s and then it kind of just escalated from there we had a lot there's a lot of a uh, lot of importance like, being a good decoy there's a difference between someone who gets bit by a dog and someone who's actually working the dog and building the dog or you, you have to have you know that fitness there you have to have that clarity there in order to work a dog safely and properly so what does that mean to you work a dog well in, in terms of safety and technique so I want the dog to be able to leave better than when it came so whether it means it's leaving with a bigger ego, uh, some new technique, um, a little more stamina, I don't want to, because a lot of the times, uh, especially in decoying, it can be a very like egotistical type of thing. Like there's a lot of ego involved because dogs are biting them. People get all like, they want to do the tough guy stuff. But in reality, you know, being a decoy, you're, you're improving the dog. Like you're helping them get better. So you either got to get a better by, like, for example, this last Saturday, I, I worked all my club dogs and worked my, all my club dogs the last like three weeks. And like I wore the, a thinner suit for tricep bites, even though I'm getting banged up because like, I'm wearing the thin suit, uh, it's better for the dog. So it's always the dog first. So when you're doing, you know, when you're doing like the fitness stuff, you're doing all these things, it's always making sure that the dog themselves are getting better. That's the difference between a trial and a training decoy. Like you've seen Bob, like during like Street League, you know, we test the dogs, you know, and that's where the tr- training or trial mindset is different than the training mindset. I've always talked about it. I talked to Matt Rogers about this uh, not too long ago. I was like, I would never, I don't know if I could be a trial decoy because my thought process is always going to be like, let's help the dog out. Let's make sure that the dog is like doing like, you know, getting the wins, making sure that they're, you know, they're countering properly, marking those counters properly. Where at a trial, you're basically testing and you're not necessarily trying to break the dog, but you're trying to test the dog. That's right. Yes. You know, where the the training decoy is coaching the dog, trial decoy is full tilt, like putting the moves on and seeing how that dog reacts so that the judges can do their job. And I think if you go into being a trial decoy with with so much muscle memory of helping, it it would be tough. Oh, man, I did that during so the last street league that we did in L.A. So I ended up having to decoy at the sideshow. Oh. which was the event we did before. And it took, I'll be honest, it took two dogs for me to be like, to like kind of snap out of like a training mindset and actually try to like, so there's one, there's one little pit that came out there and I was, I was sick too. So I was a little bit off. I was too much dig will amongst other things. So I was like, all right. So I was like trying to get the dog to, I was working upstairs with the sent the dog upstairs. And then I try to be passive and give the dog a sleeve and put a leash on the dog and then take the dog down with the sleeve, right? Just to kind of reward him with it and not bite me. And the first two dogs, I literally put the sleeve in their mouth. And then I saw that they disengaged a little bit. So then I ended up just popping my arm and giving them like two free bites. And then I was like, damn it. I was like, I messed up. So I put the sleeve, you know, <laughs> you know, because it's one of those things where you, 
you kind of get stuck, but you always want to keep helping. And like, that's where like, you, you're almost like ingrained a little bit. Like, I don't, I think unless like someone was actually like telling me like, Hey, this is what you got to do. Like reminding me about it. Like, then you got to like do this. Then it'd be really difficult for, for me as a training decoy to get uh, into that trial mindset. So speaking of canine street league and the decoys, one of the cool things that I, I think you're doing with the decoys is you're making them professional athletes. They aren't volunteers. They're paid professionals that show up to this thing and they're in super crazy good shape, tons of knowledge and experience in the suit. Um, but you've got like a new crop coming in. So who are some up and comers that we need to watch for in the next street league? Oh man, I got a crew full of killers now. I mean, we, <laughs> you know, the thing with the street league is like you said, it's like we're, we're creating professional athletes. So with professional athletes, you know, there's not necessarily competition, but there's a standard that needs to be continuously like upheld. And, you know, uh, between myself and like Chris Corley's helping me out. A lot of the OGs, uh, like Dennis Strauby, Courtney, like all those guys are helping me get these new guys in. Jacques, uh, they're all helping me kind of push the pace a little bit with some of the new guys in. But, you know, Chris Sykes from Elevated, you know, he's a really athletic guy. Yeah. Uh, uh, Wilden Bloodworth, another guy, Danny uh, Scott in Florida, um, Neil from LA as well. I mean, this last camp, what we did with all these guys, uh, Juan from Ecuador, I mean, if I forget your name, guys, sorry. There's a lot of you guys, and I'm horrible with freaking remembering things. But uh, this last camp, we did invite only. So what I mean was invite only is you had to submit your videos online, and then we got to go through all those. And I scanned through all the videos, made sure I saw the ones I wanted mm -hmm. to come through. And we got them in. Everyone came through. And I mean, it was a bunch of... Were some of like unknowns? Like, hey, I don't know who uh, Johnny Blaze is. Let me watch him. And you're like, dang, this this cat is good. Yeah, I mean that was that was the coolest part about it is like you know being able to just see someone that was like different, like you know not like you know big on social media or whatnot. Like you know we have a guy named Reggie, um, freaking. There's like a bunch of them that you know they were out there this last time, just running through like kind of like not necessarily unknowns in the deep four world, but getting like their start. But they were also like they're all very hungry. You know, all those guys like went out there and I mean freaking Gene almost killed himself on <laughs> on the on the cert. Like you know, guys were carrying him around. Jose, same thing. Like if you go through some of the the video footage, like you know, you'll you'll see like these guys that they're out. We're, it was hot too, and we were in Gilroy and we were running outside on the. I had them doing push ups and burpees on like the you know the gravel that's out front of my building. Like you know, all my dogs getting tacked on them while they're freaking getting worked. I mean, it was. That's this last, all these guys that, that certified through me, they all, they all earn it. I make sure. <laughs> That's super cool, man. Well, I'm excited for the next street league. Do we have tentative dates yet so that people can stay tuned or if it's in their area can check it out? So I know it's going to be Florida first. Um, that's looking like October. Um, and then we're going to end at, uh, our mutual friend, Tom Davis's place in New York. Yep. Um, we may, I was supposed to do more regional, um, events. Uh, this year, but it's just been kind of insane. So, for, for those who don't know, uh, Street League essentially is ran by myself, um, and, <laughs> and uh, pretty much that. So, I kind of I do all the coordination with myself. Chris Corley, uh, Aaron helps me out uh, when we get into the event side. Uh, you know, Roman and G, uh, they help with some of the back end website, and then we got uh, Ed who does like the video stuff. But we, although we are we're growing rapidly and things have changed and got like very big, very fast. Uh, do our sponsorships with Ray Allen, all the stuff we do with the fight. It, we're a small team trying to do big things. And yeah, I talked to KD, another friend of ours, and I told him, I was like, man, I was like, well, you know, I might have to postpone a couple things because I want to make sure that everything that we're doing is up to par, you know? 
not yeah. just throw it out there. So instead of that, we substituted some regional events for these bites and barbecue events, and then doing uh, the uh, intro to street league stuff too that we've been uh, doing in Florida. And uh, the Florida stuff has actually been picking up quite a bit too with all the interest over there. That's really cool. Yeah, I think it's going to go nationwide, and you're you're just going to wrangle this beast into fruition all the way through the nation. I mean. Wait until I, next year, international. Yeah, sick, dude. Absolutely sick. Uh, let's get into the fight, the workshop, the raffle, and you know how you guys are helping Gloria. So, so with the fight, um, the big thing was I originally wanted to. I was talking to Billy from Miami Tattoo Company, uh, Billy Girardi, and we were talking about how he was helping Chris out set up a uh, bite some barbecue. And then he was, he was like, man, he's like, I told him what we're doing with the troubled youth. Uh, with can street league. And he said, he's really, he does a lot of tattoo cover-ups or, or him and his mentor have been doing a lot of tattoo covers for the last you know decade uh, for survivors of human trafficking. Uh, these women that get like branded, these kids that get branded. So they do a lot of cover-ups. And he said like, they're real passionate about it. As you know, Bob, I got a wife and a kid with a daughter. So that kind of struck a chord with me. And as you also know, um, I'm a little bit gung-ho when it comes to uh, things I'm passionate about. So we started, we already had the fight design, the actual workshop design as far as teaching people how to you know, defend themselves with and without their dog. So I decided, okay, cool. Let's go ahead and donate the money to Glory House. I talked to Leopoldo Sorrell uh, from Sorrell Academy. He got his guys, Lucas and um, Carlos, involved. And then Jackie Vasquez, who uh, another another person I've trained with in the past, I uh, was a black belt jiu-jitsu and the Frazazab, I got them involved so they can help people. But what we're doing is we're taking all that money and we're donating it to Glory House Miami, who is much as a safe house. But we're also uh, using that money to ship a dog in from Ireland Working Canines, who's donating the dog to a survivor. So we're doing that just through the workshop itself. The proceeds that go to that. Um, and I have like my, my Shirley decoys, Neil, Chris, uh, Chris uh, Neil, Chris, Chris, and... I say Chris, 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 Chris Corley, Chris Sykes, yep. <laughs> Neil, uh, and Jock, and those guys who might be rolling down here to, de- to decoy it. So it's a two-day event where we're going to go through tactics first, you know, technical breakdowns. The second day, we're going to do half the day is going to be tactics, technical breakdowns, going from there. And then the rest of the day, we're going to be in a nightclub bowl during the daytime to run scenarios so things are more realistic. Dang. So the workshop itself is going to be cool with that. Uh, then we got the raffle, which is different. So a lot of people ask how they can help. Uh, and if they can't come to the workshop, the idea, they can go to the raffle. And the raffle is cool because you have the opportunity to essentially win like it's like $7,000 worth of like services so you pay 75 bucks well you venmo it you put your name in there and we randomly select and you get a 1500 1500 gun uh, gun handling course through cog works um by garrett and billy and then miami Ink tattoo is doing 1500 tattoo which is roughly i think five hours or something like that of tattoo work wow. from them and then myself jock chris corley adam katz neil stud Storage from uh, all of us are donating fifteen hundred dollars in packaging as well uh, to people who want to train. So it's a big, it's a there's a big pot for not so much money. Um, sure. And Ireland Working Canine is donating a dog for that as well because we have a second survivor that we're going to be donating a dog to as well as trying to get uh, more dogs into these safe houses to How- help guard. Mm, hey, did you know? 
that bismuth weighs more than steel. It's kind of a no-brainer, but maybe you didn't know that little fun fact. So what that means is you can shoot a smaller size than if you were to be shooting steel. So for instance, let's say you shot three-inch threes, which I used to shoot before I shot bismuth. I now shoot fives. That means you've got more BBs in each shell going down range that packs the same or more punch. So more BBs down range means more likelihood of hitting the duck. And with that bismuth, more likely that that duck is going down better than doornail. You and your dog get the retrieve. Bingo, bango, bongo. Bismuth by Kent. From the duck blind to the holding blind, baby, it's Purina. The food that fuels the truck of lone duck. The big dogs are eating the 3020 Purina Pro Plan Sport. We do the chicken blend. I've also had friends that have super success on the salmon blend, but it's a great food to fuel the athlete that gives you their all. So why don't you give them your all? Feed Purina. Yeah, how are you finding or people reaching out to you to uh, try to, if they have suffered from human trafficking, like, and, and this is something they've always been passionate about and don't know how to do it, and they think they'd be a good candidate. Walk me through that process. So we're finding everything's going through uh, Billy and Amore from Miami Tat- uh, Miami Tattoo Company. Uh, those are the ones that have kind of, they've been in the game for a while. They're connected with Glory House. There's another uh, couple of housing foundations that they work with. And they're, it's a crazy thing to talk about, but like you, you have to essentially, they have to kind of screen, you know, some of the survivors because it's a lot of these people are these, you know, unfortunately a lot of these women and, and you know, children have been involved since like, you know, they're, they're kids. So like, you know, it's something that like they're institutionalized almost like to be abused. Yeah. You know? So, and then a lot of the things too, is that sometimes at these, this is why we're doing it for the houses as well, is a lot of the people who are involved in the trafficking, like the traffickers, they come and try to repossess the women and the kids. So that's why these need, they need like, we need to have like specific interview processes and talk to them and see which people can, you know, who are mentally like, okay, to actually take a dog in right. uh, and be able to take care of the dog. So that's how we went from just providing dogs for the survivors, but also providing dogs for the safe houses because the safe houses alone are under a lot of pressure and a lot of you know things going on with them too. So it's a process, man. It's a... Uh, but like, have, not just any person can deal with these dogs like that process of picking the right dog and the right owner how that's got to be a lot to juggle because you probably want to give everyone one if you could and it's like well it may not be right it's difficult for sure um i know like the interview process that billy myself and chris have been through um and then also talking to me you know, i talked to graham from ireland working Canada pretty much every single morning getting updates on the dogs seeing which dogs are going to fit the because i mean a lot of it too is right like, as you guys know, like dealing with like retrievers, like, you know, they're, you know, some of them can be a little bit of crackhead, you know, <laughs> they, can be, they can, they can give a, a little more anxiety to your anxiety and we don't want to do that. Right. We want to be able to provide a little more of a like relief mentally. Right. So we don't want to have more anxiety to anxiety. So it's selection process is a little bit different. Um, you know, me, I talked to the survivors, uh, I talked to you know, the ones that we've done so far as we go through this uh, a learning process. It's definitely something like as we kind of do more and more and more of it, uh, I think the more streamlined it can be. And, but, you know, it's we're kind of the first into the storm. So right, right now it's more like, okay, I mean, a lot of these uh, women that are getting the dogs, like, you know, they can't really like operate in like a normal, a normal life, right? Like they have handlers, they have, you know, they, you know, financial things that they got to take care of. So team dog is donating the food for the dog's life. Um, and it's really cool because, you know, I didn't even really ask for it. 
I think I like asked Ritland, like, you know, like I do, cause we're doing this thing in like Mexico city. Like, you know, I was like, Hey man, I was like, you know, we're kind of getting, we're making some waves with this <laughs> trafficking thing. I was like, what do you think? Cause everyone knows, you know, real is a seal and, you know, did some operator work. I was like, what do you think about this? And like, he's like, yeah, he's like, he's well, he's like, you're, you know, he's like, if you're hearing chatter from places that uh, aren't safe, like you probably shouldn't do it. Like, you know, a very logical guy. And right. He's like, well, anything I can do to help. And then he's like, well, I'll have team dog donate the food to the survivors. So they'll That's be taking awesome. care of that stuff. And I'm going to, I should be going on a mic drop here pretty soon. I just got to deal with the, the 3000 jobs I have, including yeah. being a father. So <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. You're always busy. So shout out to Mike and what they're donating to the fight workshop and to Glory House. But he's got a, a podcast called Mike Drop. It is, I listen to every episode when they come out. I mean, it, he's the man, former Navy SEAL turned dog trainer and massive entrepreneur. So if you like dog training talk, you know, some military stuff, you know, personal health and and some, you know, different topics, I guess, but you know, hundred percent you need to start tuning into him. But he's had a few different veterans that have transitioned into like actually going in and busting these houses to get these women and children out of there and, you know, developing aftermath uh, help for the sex trafficking cases. And so like, did Mike, but, but they were saying like, out of all the problems in America, this is like the least that people talk about. And it's probably the most screwed up, right? It's, I think it makes people, I mean, we were just talking about it too. So we have, we're developing I can't really talk too much about it. I'll talk to you guys offline. Uh, with Cogworks, we're developing uh, a different a different program uh, where we'll be be more on the offensive uh, with this stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, like it's it's weird. I was talking to Graham about it this morning because we essentially the donations that we're doing from the raffle I'm using to get dogs and send you know send money that way to it's cost like fifteen hundred dollars to two thousand dollars to import a dog. Like that's how much like flights cost, right? Right. So doing that. So I have to get the money to be able to do that. And I was telling them, I was like, man, I was like, it's kind of weird. Like once we started pushing this stuff, like the human trafficking, it almost seemed like people were afraid to address the situation or like come to realization of what's actually happening. Like, you know, cause it is, I mean, I think the statistics show it's like, you know, it's California, Texas. And, and if anyone doesn't know this, the only, if you Google like the, the top states for human trafficking, that's only reported through the hotline. That's not actually what's actually happening. So it's a percentage of what actually is happening. So, I mean, if you ever Google like what your state is like in human trafficking, it's like a small, like a tenth of what's actually really going on sure. that's being reported. So it is one of the biggest growing, essentially, trades in the U.S. and internationally because the what, what was told to me was like, you know, in drugs, right? You sell drugs, drugs get used and then done with, right? So then you have to buy drugs again. You don't can't, you can't resell a drug, but you can resell a person. Jeez. And it's, you know, it's unfortunately, you know, it's, it's real, man. Like I, when I tell you this, man, once I got involved in this one, thanks Billy, by the way, <laughs> once I got in, once I got involved in this, there's been many sleepless nights, many early mornings, many uh, times where I'm just like, you know, it's, it's a little bit tough. Cause you know, again, like I have a wife, I have a daughter, yeah. I have a lot of uh, loved ones who are, you know, ladies and stuff like that. And even like, you know, my young nephews, you know, stuff like that, you know, it's, it's, it's something that. It is a real problem. It does need to be addressed. It does need to be exposed, and it does need to be talked about. And that way, we can we can stop it, and we can start helping people out and being involved and all that. Yeah, Mike. One of the uh, the things that I admire about you most is your entrepreneurial spirit and like the come up story. And so, if you haven't you know listened to his first, it's it's a lot about your come up story and how you you made it. What is one of the like piece of advice for a young? We get a lot of people that listen to this that maybe want to be a dog trainer. What's some pieces of advice you would give to someone who's 
16 to 40 that says, man, this is my passion. I'm, I'm going for it. We'll change gears. My bad. No, I mean, I would do, I mean, so if you haven't heard my story, obviously I'm essentially self-made since a young kid came from a very poor background, very abusive background, a lot of things I had to do by myself since I was, you know, essentially 13. You know, I had lived on my own since I was 16, you know, kind of doing some of that, taking care of my three sisters and a bunch of things. So just a quick cliff notes before I go into what my advice would be. Um, here's the thing is that a lot of people want things to be easier, right? Everyone wants to scale the business so it's easier for them. The, the quick realization that it's it's not going to be easy and understanding it's not going to be easy and just embracing that, like, you know, like thinking about that suffering as an investment and just embrace that fact, then it all becomes easy. Because then we're realizing, like, no matter how many hours, no matter how many days, no matter how many, like, you know, you guys have, you guys probably have more dogs than I do at your at your place. But, like, you know, understanding, like, even now, like, you know, doing as successful as I am, I still got like dogs here. Yeah. I still got to take care of them. Still got a business to work. I still got a family to take care of. It's gonna be a grind, and don't make it easy on yourself. You know, just make sure make it harder on yourself so it does become easy eventually. Because that's the same thing that I do. You know, it's just one of those things where if you want to come into the dog training business, I think a lot of it now there's a lot of like get quick rich like type of like training thing that people are doing now where they're like oh scale your business you know raise pricing and do this and in the reality you know dogs don't know what weekends are dogs don't know what vacations are you know they they don't have a nine to five you know it's it is a seven day a week every single day of the year type of business and understand that you know keep it it's it's just that thing man it's just I think a lot of times, like, I talk to a lot of people about it. And, like, I think people ask me, like, for, like, like you know, almost like that magic, like, pill to success. And I tell people all the time, like, I'm up at 3.30 in the morning scooping dog shit. Like, <laughs> like, it's like every single day doing my things I got to do. Like, that's the only way that I have the stuff that I have. And, like, the, you know, being able to do the things that we're able to do is doing that. So, I mean, like, you know, it sounds corny, but, like, you know, you got to embrace that grind. You know, you got to really understand, like, and then the same thing, too, is that you kind of have to be fair to yourself as well. And you, there's a, there's times where you're going to have to kind of shut it down, you know, be like, all right, this is my limited schedule here. So, I mean, schedule yourself properly, you know, understand where your limitations are. I mean, it used to be, there used to be a thing like a joke that, you know, Aaron and I had of like every four months I would just burn out. Like, I was just like, because I would just run myself into the dirt. Then it stopped being that way. It stopped being like half a year and then a year. And then I started street league. Now it's like after every street league event, I want to go disappear into like the, into my mountain and shut my phone off because my social battery. So I mean, it's just, you know, being, you know, just being self-aware, understand your limitations, but understand too, that don't want, don't, you don't want it to be easy, you know? Right. You just want to have the strength to make it easy. And like, that's kind of like the main thing that you build, you just build it over and over and over through repetition and then you get good at it. What about as a dog trainer themselves, like to earn their their stripes so that they can open up their own shingle or whatever like that so i do this whole mentorship program we actually um just launched it i don't know if you saw that video with tom he posted uh or we posted yeah, yeah it was awesome so yeah, shout out to tom davis uh my brother over there in new york uh but we're teaching basically what's happening is i'm starting to teach dog trainers that have done this for years now that unknowingly but and telling people right now, like, okay, like you can come in, I'll train you, and eventually you can open your own primal canine, or I'll just give you the skills depending on which package it is. But for someone who would maybe say can't do that or somewhere else throughout the United States or you know throughout the world where they're listening to this, find a mentor who's going to be invested in your progression. Learn different styles, but stick to one first, get really good at that style, and then go from there. But a lot of times in our industry, because there is no governing body, there is no college for this, 
There's nothing like that. It is something to where you have to find a mentor who has like your best interest involved. Mm-hmm. You know, Cause a lot of times, you know, people will just use and abuse and, you know, dump and leave because of kind of like the nature of the beast when it comes to dog training. Yep. But you know, reality, take your time, find a style that you like, make sure you click with the person. Like all my guys, like my new, uh, new group, we're doing like, you know, these dudes stay up with me like till like 12 o'clock and like, well, we'll get in and we'll just work, 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 work. And then I'm like, all right, clean up. Let's go ahead and do this. And then at the end of the day, every day, I'm always telling them like, oh, this is why, this is why we do this. Like I kind of ex- explain things like this is why we're, you know, you always leave last, never limit, never let Aaron carry anything heavy. And you always clean up after yourself and wherever we're at, you know, follow these guidelines. So it's more about the way I look at it. It's more about creating like good people and then giving them the tools to be successful in life. And like having those like general qualities because I, I see that fading out here pretty quickly in our general society. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think finding a mentor or working for someone is paramount. And then I also think that there's no substitute for dogs under your belt. Going to a place where you can handle aggressive dogs, fearful dogs, anxious dogs, high drive dogs, like the the crazy crackhead that finally after your program puts it together, like and having those struggles and triumphs. But under a guided eye, like that to me is huge. There's no, and this is a, this is something that I would like struggle with when it comes to some of my other, um, like past employees or apprentices is that especially with social media, right? You have one dog, all of a sudden you look good. People want you to work for them and do all those other things. You go to a couple of seminars because you have a basic knowledge. You think all, all of a sudden, like, you know, do you know more? But then there's nothing that substitutes just like you said, having your hands on leashes you know, with a guided eye with it. Cause a lot of the times the stuff that you see and you learn through these different, you know, theories and applications don't always apply for a dog. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's, it's like, not, you've got to be able to read it in a book. You can read it, yeah. in a book, but you've got to apply it at the instance that it needed to be applied and see it, like read the body language. And it's, you, and the only way to get that eye for that or the feel for that is doing it. Absolutely. And I, that's, like that's one of the things that I preach the most when it comes to my apprentices, my mentees, uh, all the little uh, like shadow programs. I was like, it's the only way you get good is by repetition and consistency when you're doing it over and over again, you know, and learning from different dogs. And again, you can take all the certifications you want. You can get all the seminars you want. You can read all the books you want. You can listen to audio books all you want, watch the videos. None of that means anything if you don't know what to do with the leash. Yep. The only way, you know, only, or let's say even like in decoy, like the only way you learn how to do it is by doing it. And, you know, sometimes it sucks. Sometimes you get the shit kicked out of you. Sometimes, sometimes you get yeah. mauled by a freaking tiny two pound Maltese that wants to eat your soul and thinks it's like a freaking 180 pound borable that, <laughs> yeah. you know, sometimes like those things happen and it is, it is what it is. Like, that's just kind of the thing. Like you just got to be able to, you know, do it and do it for a long period of time. So are these in this mentorship program, is it for an obedience business or is this for detection sport and decoy work? So I teach everything, um, for me. And it's one of those things I got to do with like pretty much in every, I do this, like with all my apprentices, mentees or shadow programs, a shadow program is not so much because they have limited time with me, but the mentees and then the, apprentices in the beginning i make that make sure they all get bit by a dog like because <laughs> i got to see what their reaction i got to check their temperature you know i got to see like how do you react under stress because primal canine most people forget about this because of, they see the highlight videos of protection but we started with behavioral cases so we were taking on dogs who were going to get euthanized we were taking on dogs in the shelters when we had the free dog programs we were working with dogs that other trainers in our area were saying they can't work with them so we we have a whole no no turn away policy and sometimes you get sometimes you get some real dogs like yeah 
like <laughs> or dogs like dogs that will go and like you know like you got to be careful with it because you know it's something can happen so i always make sure that i put my not necessarily i don't want them to be a decoy but i want them to feel that level of anxiety that pressure like you know that you feel when a dog is on you right because it's a different feeling yeah you know it is something different like it may seem like oh very you know when you see like the the videos that may seem very easy but there is a vastly different thing you know when you're on when the bike's going on or you have a dog who's there so i have all my apprentices take at least one bite they have to at least experience it once i'll break down why we do that and they're like, well, I don't want to be a decoy. It's like, well, it's not about being a decoy. It's about understanding what that either genetic, you know, response is to, from the dog, understand how they counter, how they bite, how the pain is. So when the dogs that you're working with are going to be like in front of you and like, let's say you're doing a pet dog or a behavior mod case and the dog's like trying to roll with you, you're like you understand like what their drives are. What, why is that dog reacting that way? Is it because it's insecure and defensive? Is it reactive because something may have happened and they're kind of like weird with it or like the owner's like loose on it? Or is it like naturally aggressive? You know, there's a variety of different things because I teach all my guys uh, drive channeling. So they understand like, you know, prey, defense, and then they see like what natural genetic qualities a dog may have. So I, I always put my, I always put those guys through that stuff, but it's like a whole little weird, uh, weird like science thing. My freaking, uh, one of my new apprentices is like, all right, Mr. Miyagi, mm. I need to stop metaphorically talking about <laughs> all these things. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, well, shit, I don't know how, this is how I was taught, man. My men- I've had some really good mentors in my life and, you know, it's always through experience. So, yeah, I, I experience can't be bought. You know, it's, it's like you gotta do it and earn it. All right. When you're looking for supplies to help you and your dog train, we've got you covered. It's LoneDuckOutfitters.com. It's a no brainer. You can Google it. No biggie. Link's going to be in the description to make it even easier. Whether you need bumpers, launchers, e-collars, swag, LoneDuckOutfitters.com. Check it out. We appreciate all your support. Give us a, a one of your favorite memories training-wise, like a crazy dog, uh, the Maltese or whatever. Like, Give me something that you remember that's like a highlight reel for you. Man, I would... Uh, I mean, so I have... There's a variety. So I have like two crazy stories. Well, one crazy story. And then one is like probably my highlight reel. So my dog, Marilyn... She passed away actually during the Morgan Hill trial in the middle of the night, and uh, where I, I didn't sleep at all. That's why I look like hell, and it's what this heart tattoos for. So when I first got when I first got her, I was just barely starting. It wasn't even Primal Canon yet. It was Mike Jones' Dog Psychology, which thank God that blog is taken down because <laughs> holy crap, I don't I don't need any I don't need no bait, <laughs> no uh, nothing to get me. Um, those were some embarrassing moments. I even deleted the YouTube video. But no, I had her. She was uh, she was naturally aggressive, naturally dog aggressive and people aggressive. We adopted her from the shelter. She was being crazy. Oh, see the boss lady. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tell her I said hi. Uh, boss is hi, babe. Hi, Bob. <laughs> no, uh, so we did. I got her there and she was completely crazy. Like tried to like maul every dog, bite people because she's a little cute little brindle pit little white face so she looked like she was this tiny little thing mm-hmm. and then freaking i started working with her and i was using kind of like the positive report of reinforcement approach i had and, and this is when i quickly realized like this is something that's not really like you can't do this with every dog like there's more of a balance because at that time i was learning in schutzen and schutzen at that time was all yanking crank mm-hmm. and i knew like you know if i yanking crank with her she would just escalate sure so that's kind of where i kind of created the formula uh with everything was with teaching her how to one engage two not trying to murder everybody and every dog that looked at her in one split second and then not like overcorrect, but not over reward. So Marilyn was probably one of like the, 
hey, I, you know, she's gone now. But like, that was one of the dogs. Like, you know, it's like, okay, like, that's like one of the, like my highlight real dogs as far as the behavior mod. I mean, we have like, have like highlight real dogs as far as like, you know, dogs that we've built now. Like, you know, we got Ozzy, who's quite possibly the, like, the, one of the hardest biting dogs in the world. And then Felix, who's, he, you know, he's broken guys' legs and done some crazy things. And, you know, I have a whole kennel full of just murderers row from Cerberus to, you know, my dog bear and all those ones. And then like, as far as like crazy cases, we did, uh, I was working Ozzy's mom, six, a uh, Dutch shepherd. Uh, and I was working her on the bite suit. And then there's a dog named Duco that was out here and he freaking came off of a, he opened his window to the vehicle. He was in a sprinter van, opened the window, blew out. And I was working on a sleeve and he bit me like live. Oh no. Yeah. And I had to work because you can't like, you're teaching them to bite live. Right. Like, so you can't out right away because they were saying like, so (laughs) Because it's frantic, right? Because that you go like, like you, you just can't. Like, you, like obviously you want to, you need to sometimes. So I had to work a dog live on the bike one time, and then just make sure it was good. What was the damage like? Um, I'm not gonna tell. I'm not gonna say who it was because he might lose his license for it. But I went to my vet friend, uh, and we had to stitch my, <laughs> we, we, had, we had to stitch me up pretty bad. I still got a pretty decent mark on my shoulder. Is that uh, where from, he got you? Yeah, right in the chest. Oh man. With the other dog on you, like two dogs at once. Yeah. Now, what that could clearly spur an actual dog fight, right? You're, you're, I would imagine. It's one of those things where you kind of have to like, like that's another thing when it comes from like fighting, right? Like, you know, fighting, you have a certain level of situational awareness mm-hmm. as to what's going on around you just because you're just, you're, you're getting kicked or hit or choked or whatever it may be. Or, you know, someone's trying to break your arm. So you have an understanding of what your surroundings are. And then just for the amount of dogs that I've worked, you know, you learn how to turn your body into certain things. So essentially you, you know, you turn in to catch the dog or get it away. And then you, you know, put a thumb in the collar. So to make sure that the collar is not like there, you have that negative reinforcement where you can pull away. So that's essentially what I did. And then, you know, worked it that way, slip a sleeve, get one off, work the other one, figure that out. And keep working. Where was this handler at this point? Uh, tripping the hell out <laughs> <laughs> a lot of a lot of times when it happens like with a protection stuff especially if they're brand new to it is everyone's so essentially like adrenaline rush for people who are brand new to it yeah i mean so they kind of just get stuck watching yeah you know and that's they're just like they're kind of just glued to just seeing what's going on in the action right and you know that's another reason why we're doing the fight workshop so people can understand like oh hey like it, it's just not watching like the highlight real catch you see on like instagram or tiktok or whatever these people are doing these days uh, on the it's you know it's it's very involved you know you gotta go and get your dog those things and like it's almost like stress inoculation that you're training to so it's, it's a whole, whole lot of things so i've made this analogy every time we've had someone from street league or or the your sport where it's like if the worst case scenario happens my dog leaves before i say their name and they get a duck. Like worst case scenario is someone doesn't lock their car windows and the dog's not in a crate and it busts out and legit smokes you. It happened. Worst case scenario. <laughs> it'll it'll happen. I mean, that's where you got to be aware of what you got. Yeah. You know, like that's these dogs are a hundred percent, you know, for the most part when we train them, like, you know, they're a hundred percent real. They will the ones that we train, I train all my all my club dogs. You know, we do we'll do conditioning rounds, we'll do dog rounds in the stoop, but I always do civil stuff with them. I always make sure, like you know, it's hidden sleeve muzzle or whatever we're doing because that's what we're trying to do, right? So like that's, but it's also making sure that the handlers understand, like, hey, like 
you know, Fluffy might be doing the cute sports stuff and everything like that, but Fluffy will also hurt somebody. So treat it as you're carrying a gun, you know, treat it as you're carrying a, an active weapon. What is your home life with the dogs? Are they all like, how do you manage that? And how many do you have in your home that you care for? Let's see. I got old Bibby's out right now. She's the old lady. She's the OG of the group now. She's our little pit bull. Little, she's a, a collar, collar dirt because she's all speckled. So, mm-hmm. so, so we got her up here. We have Ozzy who uh, lives upstairs with me. And despite what most people think, we, we live kind of a, he doesn't mess with me, I don't mess with him type of life. You know, we separate in that sense. And when we do movie nights, he can kind of chill on this place command. And I just, we sit on the couch on the, the rare times we get to do movie nights. Uh, we have Ozzy, Felix, um, who's the big 100 plus pound, 110 plus pound bicolor leg breaker. Me and him are cool. Like we just do rotations and he hangs out. You can get up here. Cerberus, who's like my other OG, who's just kind of like, he'll just hang out. Um, Zando, who's our PH2 KPV dog, uh, who is just a big dummy too. Like he's goofy as hell, but he'll bite somebody. They're very balanced. Uh, Lucy, which is Ozzy's sister, um, she bites me, but you know, we, she kind of hangs out sometimes from time to time. Uh, Zilla, uh, who's Ozzy's son. It was like the big, the, the big demo dog, the what the one I do like the dog in white with uh, sometimes at trials. Uh, we got Bobby, who's the Merle American bully. Uh, we have him, and then like a couple boarding trains. But for the most part, I mean, the dogs usually their lives are either like rotated upstairs, hanging out with us, or on a treadmill, or I work them in the bite suit, or you know whatever I'm doing, just kind of exercising them. And they're all all the males typically are you know a bunch of a holes, so they're all you know very much like ego driven in that sense so they kind of like mess with each other but they all know kind of what do the they, rule is they play outside all together or do you have to keep them separate uh, they work in packs so it's like or ozzy he's not in a he's he's in a class of his own him and biz hang out because right. uh, he's he's the he's the king around here uh, and the dogs and then zilla cerberus lucy um they can play bobby play sometimes with them depending on what he does and then uh zando zando don't care zando's like he's just a big dummy he don't care about nothing and then felix is similar to zando so they all can we just like you know, it's, it's all about like you know make, making sure because i mean at the end of the day like you know they beat me up multiple times a week right so it's you know, a dynamic change right like yeah it's a balance of uh understanding right so like they understand like oh hey like i'm being like keeping it sporty but like making sure it's like work so it, there is a a relationship balance that you kind of have to have. Right. Because it, if you're it, too it, dominant, then when you're in the suit, they'll be more timid about it. But if you're yeah. too much in the suit mentality of giving them in that they can take you anytime, that may not be fun sometimes. Yeah. I mean, it's, it can be, especially because I do, uh, typically I do the morning rotation. So it's like, you know, I can't have dogs that want to just like murk me all the time because I'm essentially, you know, you know, their, their sparring partner every single day. And, Again, being like kind of touching base back on being the training partner, I really very focused on like making sure that they always live with the win, leave with the win, no matter how long the fight is. So I always make sure like okay, like either I put them up hot where they want to bite me again, or they feel like they defeated me, and like now they're like, oh cool, I beat them up. So then it kind of does hinder a little bit of stuff when you do try to break dogs like that, especially young dogs like Felix, uh, because I work him so much now. I'm pretty much the only one that will work him because of the damage he can do to someone's leg and leg. Or Kim, and then he'll he basically kind of gives me the finger because he's you know young adolescent dog. And I tell him to come back in the morning, and there's turkeys or deer outside, and yeah. he's looking at them, he looks at me, and I was like, "All right, man, well, well, I'll try to get you back here somehow, get a ball, <laughs> do what awesome. I can." That's awesome, man. 
Well, cool. Well, let's do this. Give everybody one more little synopsis of where they can find you and learn more about the workshop, the raffle to help the Glory House process. So you can look at everything. So the the workshop itself is on PremoCanine.com. Uh, it's the fight workshop it has a big breakdown. It's, you know, all the Sorrel Academy guys, you know, Jackie Vasquez, Faraz Azab. Uh, we also have uh, the donation for the dog coming from Ireland Working Canine and everything, all the proceeds are going to, basically uh, going to Glory House Miami. And then the fight, the uh, fight rally, or the fight, uh, not rally, the fight uh, raffle, uh, basically who has, you know, donations from Cogworks, who is doing a fifteen hundred dollar course. Myself, fifteen hundred dollar course. Adam Katz, uh, Neil Strodstrom, Chris Corley, and then fifteen hundred dollar tattoo from Miami Tattoo Company. And then the proceeds are again basically donated to uh, all the the dogs that we're trying to get in. And then Mike Ritland and those guys are going to be from Team Dog are going to be donating all the food. But you can see that on the Mike Jones uh, underscore PC page and on the Primal Canada page and everyone who actually you know shares it. So it's it's pretty much spread out there and it's pretty easy. All you got to do is donate, send five bucks, put your name on there. If you can't make it to the the actual fight workshop, you can go to that and then it's, it's pretty straightforward. We got a lot of things rolling here. Good for you, man. Well, I'm always impressed by your work ethic, entrepreneurship, and giving back to the community. Um, every time I see you've got something cooking, man. So thanks for joining us. Everybody do me a favor, give them a follow and help support this great cause. And uh, Mike, I can't wait to see you at the next Canine Street League, bud. Hell yeah, man. I got to get the band back together again. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Love some high noons. <laughs> Very shit. And I hope they don't need that in Dayquil again. Jesus Christ. Good Lord. <laughs> All right, brother. Be good. Thank you very much for joining us and we'll catch you soon. I appreciate you, brother. Thank you. Hey, do me a solid. If you enjoy the show, if you enjoy our Instagram, if we've helped you at all, join patreon.com forward slash Lone Duck Outfitters. If you do it before September of 2023, you're going to enter to win a hunt with me and Kevin and a bunch of other Patreon members down in Missouri. We're going to smack some ducks, have some fun, do a seminar with our dogs and have a great time. But jump into patreon.com forward slash Lone Duck Outfitters. Links in the description and join the community that helps me help you help your dog. Hey listeners, Nick Larson here, host of the Bird Shop Podcast. As fans of this show, you may be interested in the conversations on the Bird Shop Podcast, where we discuss all things upland hunting, from upland birds and their habitat and conservation to the shotguns, bird dogs, and gear used to pursue them. Whether you're a seasoned upland hunter or just getting started and wanting to learn more, I interview a wide range of guests, each with their own unique perspective and valuable experience to share. If you're on the hunt for more upland hunting conversation, please consider subscribing to the Bird Shop Podcast today. Thank you.